their language lovers, Shannon Kennedy here, along with my co-host, Benny Lewis, for a new episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. Today, we're chatting with Juliana Russell, creator of The Language Mindset, a language learning platform for kids. In this episode, we discuss strategies for teaching children languages, whether or not kids are actually better language learners than adults, how parents can support their child learning another language, even if they aren't a native speaker, how to be a more resilient language learner, how to support a child who is resisting learning a new language, ways to practice the language outside the classroom with your kids, and how to maintain your languages when you can't travel. If you enjoy this episode of the podcast or the podcast in general, we'd love to hear from you. You can let us know what you think over at languagehacking.com slash review. All of the resources and links mentioned in this episode are available to you as a part of the show notes. Now, let's get into our interview with Juliana. The links and resources mentioned in this episode can be found at languagehacking.com forward slash 73. Welcome to the Language Hacking Podcast from Fluent in Three Months. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. I am joined by my co-host, Shannon, and today we're going to be interviewing Juliana Russell, who runs the Language Mindset, and she's got a very interesting perspective on helping children learn languages, and that's going to be a big theme of today's discussion. So thank you very much for joining us, Juliana. Thank you, Benny and Shannon. It's a pleasure to be here. So I'll kick things off just by letting you give your own introduction. Like, how did you get into language learning? What's your story there? Well, my story with languages, I actually failed Spanish in eighth grade. I had to go to summer school and it all stemmed there. I, I think the moment that I was in summer school and I actually started to get the language, I was like, wow, I can, I can actually do Spanish. So that just like set me on this trajectory of really like, it was like became a superpower. Like, wow, I get this. So my mom forced me to go to summer school. I did that. The teacher was great. And then I started to be interested in other languages. So I started to learn French and Italian, like self-taught. So I was like 15, 16. And then, you know, you, you know what it's like. You just, you fall in love and you're like, holy cow, I can, I can do this and I can communicate. And it was fascinating. So yeah, so I, I would get DVDs and self-teach, you know, self-teach myself. And then, um, you know, studying abroad really just like opened up my mind. And the connection with the community has been amazing with that. Yeah. So that's really like how I fell in love with languages. That was that was it from a failure. <laughs> I feel like that's very common with us polyglots. Like we we learn from kind of falling down. So I started in high school and I studied in college and it's just I've been hooked since. And, you know, that's been almost like 16, 17 years ago. Just crazy. How did you go from those experiences as a learner and a student to creating your own language business? I started tutoring even when I was in high school. I, it was something innate in me, you know, like helping people and, and going through that process. I mean, I've changed so much as a teacher. You know, you, you get those teachers that really like buy the books and teach all these details and things that are not necessary to start speaking in the beginning, right? Really like clutter the mind with a lot. So I've really transformed the way that I'm teaching and really become more organic and interest-based and music and um, play. 
and you know, with now that my focus group is like, you know, five-year-olds, six-year-olds and that age, it all um, really stemmed from, I taught at a private school and they, you know, asked me, you know, would you teach the elementary school? I didn't think then that almost like eight years later that I would, that would be my focus. That would be my group of people that I, I, I jive with. They're like five-year-olds, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds. <laughs> Cause I taught high school, middle school, college level, um, adults, but now it's just my little guys and it's been, it's incredible. They're just curious and playful. I think that's important. Yeah. And I, I've dabbled in teaching children myself and it can be a bit of a challenge because you have to keep their attention the whole time. And you've got um, very creative ways of doing that in your lessons. Like you'll show them flowers or if you, you know, you've got a puppy near you, you'll actually put it up to the webcam. Um, so like, well, how do you come up with these ideas and how do you keep children engaged with something like language learning, which can be unfortunately boring in a lot of contexts for children? Yeah. So creativity is a, she's a beautiful thing. You know, it comes at the most random times. And I, what I find is like that language learning doesn't need to be so complicated. So I'm like, okay, what are the things I love to do? What are children, what do they love to do in English? And then I just sprinkle Spanish into that. I found that curiosity and um, mystery is a huge thing. Like um, something as simple as like, if you're going to teach them the word, I don't know, cat, right? Instead of just showing them the word cat and showing them a picture of a cat and talking about what's happening with the cat, it's like, first, like put something over the cat and have them guess what the word could be. I mean, even just that interest, just that. You have them engaged. It's just, it's really, what I found, it's not what you teach the child. It's really how you teach them. And you teach them through curiosity. You teach them through um, guessing, engaging them, asking them questions about the cat. And making your lessons outrageous, too. Like, let's draw a cat. Let's give them, like, three eyes. Do you think a cat could have three eyes? And they're like, oh, my God, that's so silly. That's so funny. Or make the cat an outrageous color. Give them googly eyes. So then you get to talk about the emotion, right? Like or he's sad, or he's happy, or whatever. But Benny, really, it's, I, I have been a product of teachers that just, I want to say teach the traditional way. And traditional, I feel, is very much like, oh, you're supposed to put an O at the end of that word because it's masculine. Okay. <laughs> like, it's such a nitpicky thing. So I really don't correct the child. I try to model with the child. I'll tell you, though, being creative, it, it's something that I can't just, like, harness. It just comes at random times, whether you're walking or a lot of my stuff is spontaneous. The first part of this question is you often hear people say that kids are better language learners than adults. And I'd like to know if in your experience that is true. And the second part is regardless of whether you feel it's true or not, what are some of the things that kids do in learning languages that you think adults can learn from? I've read articles about that, you know, like whether that's true about children learning better than adults. And I have found it's all about the personality of the child. It's all about the personality of the child. And it's also personality of the adult, because I have taught adults that are really courageous and they just speak and they're not concerned and correct themselves and feel like critical, um, like self-critiquing where they're, they're children that are really brave. And I will say the Spanish word and they will mimic it and they will, they'll do it immediately. And um, I never try, even with adults or, or children, you know, I really try not to 
force them. But to answer your question, I would say the common thread is bravery. And it's hard to, you know, it's interesting to see that in a child. And, you know, bravery can be a, even, it doesn't have to be a spoken word, but it can really be like the child hearing the command in Spanish and doing it and doing it. Maybe not sure if that is the right command or not, but performing that. I mean, that that's, that's bravery in it. For adults, adults just want to dissect things too much, <laughs> you know? They really want to like understand things. I'm like, you don't need to worry about, you know, understanding this, this topic, just speak badly in the beginning. I think that adults can take that from children and just be more playful. And I feel like I'm a, I'm a playful person. Like that's just like, I'm a jovial, playful person. So my audience with children is just like a perfect mix. So to be playful. And what, uh, like on the flip side of that, that like, obviously I, I totally agree with you that the advantage, it's not necessarily that children are better language learners, but they tend to be more playful. Adults tend to be uh, more analytical. And if you can lean more towards that playfulness, then that's going to give them a huge advantage. But what do you think are the disadvantages that children have uh, when it comes to learning a language that uh, an adult would have an advantage over? There's a motivation and a goal that an adult has. For example, my husband is a timber framer and there are a lot of French speaking timber framers. So his goal is when I go to France and do timber framing in France, I want to speak with these Frenchmen because we have a common interest. So the discipline, I think, and the motivation and also the directive. So I'm studying Swedish and I'm like, okay, like, my directive is, my goal is I really want to read this book that my, um, my brother's partner has written. So like you have, you have a focus and you have a goal and whereas children, it's a little more fluid. So adults are more goal driven, I think. So how can parents support their kids learning languages, whether or not they speak the language and especially if they don't speak the language that the child is learning? Oh, it's such a great question, Shannon, because I am trying to create something. I'm, I'm working on something right now of bringing languages into the house. I've read this statistic that you don't have to be a native speaker to teach your child. I thought that was so empowering because I'm not a native speaker. And what I have found, this, this is it. It's not about being consistent because it's hard to be a consistent person. I struggle with that, but I'm like, but how am I still doing languages? It's because I'm resilient. So for parents, it's the resiliency. It's like, okay, so maybe you didn't use the Spanish word instead of saying you want more, you know, replacing that with like mas. Maybe you didn't say that three days in a row. Who cares? Continue saying mas. And they might not say it for like three months, six months, but they're getting that input. And that's something that I really encourage parents is not to say repeat or, or to force them or to say, no, 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 say it to me in Spanish. Like with my nephew, I pretend, I don't know what he's saying to me. So he'll be like, can I have milk, please? I'm like, what? He's like, can I have, and then he's like, oh. He's like, leche, por favor, kind of thing, right? You know, his little voice. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay. So then he knows that he can get something when he speaks Spanish. But it's really, I think, being selective with what you want to use. For example, so I just did an Instagram post of um, like doing a nature walk. So if you... Is that something you do with your child? Like learn the word for flowers or learn the word for trees and just replace that. Like, oh my gosh, look at that beautiful yellow floor. And of course you have the flower in your hand, right? And you just keep using it over again. And hopefully they'll pick it up. 
That, that can definitely be very effective, especially if the adult does speak that language and the adult can find ways to sprinkle that language into the child's day. But what if the um, you want to raise a child multilingual or bilingual and you don't speak that language? How can you sprinkle the language? How can you create this kind of immersion or at least encourage the child to learn the language when you don't even know it? Right. Yeah. No, but I mean, that's, and that's, that's an interesting, it's a hard, it's a hard question for me to answer too, because I'm not a native speaker, but what I have done, so I don't have children, but I have pets. So, you know, I will say to my cat in Swedish, cause he loves fish. So I will say to him like, do you want fish? I, I will learn the, the expressions I want to use with my animal, with my pet. And that's something I want to create for parents is to create these already usable expressions that they can just incorporate into their life. I don't do full immersion in my classes because I don't know, is that better or worse? I'm not sure. I think my main thing is like, I want the child to stay engaged. I don't want him to be confused in the class for the sake of me speaking Spanish the whole time. And everyone has a different ideology and that's awesome. But for me, what I found that works is that the word is intentional and they're getting what the word means within story or play or, so same thing with incorporating that in your immersion at home. Like with my nephews, we say, I love you in, in Italian. That's it. And they just know that. So I actually remember saying to my nephew, I love you in English. And we both looked at each other and it was weird. I was like, oh, wait, we don't say that. Like, like that's, that's not what we say together. It felt weird. So you just create these routines and these norms. But my method really is like sprinkling it. I, don't do, I, I, I haven't done full immersion. But I'm interested to learn more about that you know, as someone that's not a native speaker. A little bit ago, you had talked about how you're not really consistent, but you're resilient and that the kids and adults who are more resilient are more effective. And we often talk about how it's important to be consistent in language learning, but I don't, and like things you can do to be more consistent, but we don't often talk about how to be more resilient. So what would your advice be to someone who wants to become more resilient in their learning? I think for myself, giving yourself that space and that time and that grace too, because you can be so like hard on yourself. Like, oh my God, it has been months. Like it's been months since I've done ASL. Like I feel bad. I can't even communicate with my buddy Gordon because my ASL is so bad, but I could say to myself, wow, I'm not consistent enough. So then I'm just like, all right, let me just pick up now. So I'm on italki. I want to find an ASL teacher. And I think it's just, it's this Japanese, I love this Japanese saying, I think it's like fall down seven, get up eight. And that's, and that's it. And you can, can't you apply that with everything in life? It's like, you know, I've been eating ice cream <laughs> you know, like every day this week. Okay. Let me just start now. So that resilience is really just like, you just continue on. It doesn't matter if there's been a pause and that's natural. It's like nature. Nature has pauses, you know, and then there's the rebirth of spring and the dormancy of this of the winter so it's just like you just start over and i think you have to give yourself that space and grace and when it comes to you know, like we, you mentioned before there's some ways that you can truly engage with children like uh you know like you said hiding the the picture of the cat and keeping them guessing and i think those those great are, are great to keep their attention over the long term but have you ever dealt with a child who is just uh resistant to the idea of learning the language entirely and like how can you convince a child to make that switch so what i found is 
if you just find out one thing that they're interested in, like whether it be like Legos or something, something that gives them like joy. And that was actually for me. And when I go back to um, how I started with Spanish, I remember the, the summer school teacher, she's like, was asking everybody what their favorite band was. And mine was Pearl Jam at the time. And she was like, oh, it's a great band. So I was like, oh, okay. She appreciates something I love. So there, it wasn't Spanish. So I was like, oh, Spanish is great. It's like, whoa, okay, this woman is interested in something I'm interested in. She's got my attention. So for someone that's like, if her child that's like not into it, I'm like, what is your interest? So for example, I had a student, a one-on-one Italian, and um, he was a little squirrely. And so he loves um, Fortnite. So instead of doing a guess who game with like generic Harry Potter characters, because I love Harry Potter, they're all Fortnite characters. And they're wild, the Fortnite characters. There was like Banana Man, Ice Cream Man. So we use Fortnite. And oh my gosh, the language that we learned from those Fortnite characters was awesome. So I just go to what they're interested in. Because people love talking about what they're interested in, right? So just do a language. And I, I think I don't force things. It doesn't work. I think one of the traps that we often fall into when we're taking language learning classes is that we think the time we spend in the class is enough to get us by for the entire week. And for parents who have busy schedules and kids involved in multiple activities, it can sometimes be hard to push them to do things with the language outside of the lessons. So what are some easy ways you think parents could try to integrate the language more into their kids' lives with little resistance and with everything else going on? I think going back to what they're going back to like what their interest is. So I'm thinking I have some children that are like fantastic artists. And so if they want to spend their time drawing, say that they're going to be drawing an owl or something, just like Google the word for owl, whatever language it is that you're learning and just take that time and, and draw with that child, the owl and use the Spanish or the French or Mandarin, whatever word that you want to incorporate them. Just talk about how fantastic they're, I don't know the Mandarin word for owl. So yeah, just use that, use that word and, and, and engage their interest again with that word. There's so many easy things that you can do to replace. Like if you're, if you're just playing a, a simple game um, or a little jingle, just try to do it in that, in that language. I think less is more, honestly, less is more. Like, I don't know, if you're looking for your pair of socks, so it's not like, you know, where are the socks? You sing like, donde esta? Donde stop? Just sing that. Get a rhythm, and then you're going to be singing it because it's going to be stuck in your head. But you know, it's little things, Shannon. It really is. I feel like we just um, it's little it's little bite sizes. So I don't know if you remember this, but uh, Elizabeth, who works in our our team, uh, she ended up in a, a group call with you, and uh, you guys started playing the game um, Two Truths and a Lie as a means to practice your language, and I, th- I think that kind of thing. It's a, it's a great innovative way to make what could otherwise be a, a less interesting conversation more more potent. So what kind of things do you do like that to, to kind of elevate your conversations and make them more playful? So most of my classes are, are group lessons. Um, I do have some one-on-one lessons, uh, mostly in Italian. And actually, that is one of the things that we do. Um, I, I always ask them, like, what did you do you know, over the weekend? What did you do yesterday? And we do play that two truths and a lie. And it's fantastic because these guys are learning past tense without any explanation of it. It's fantastic. So the student will be like, you know, oletto or 
oh, skrit, because one of them was like writing a little book, right? So like they do these truths and lines, starts to become like a routine. But with my with my group classes, again, there was just to be something kind of outrageous in the lessons. I think something outrageous, like I do a lot of escape room things. So I'll like create a PowerPoint where I'm like, the unicorn sparkles was missing. So we immediately, there's like a problem. We have to like get to sparkles or glitter. I think it was glitter, yeah, glitter. So we would do all these things like, which way should we go? Should we go up this mountain or should we go this way? And, and I know that they go this way to the mountain. There's like a scary gif of like lobos, like wolves, right? Like, so it's creating mystery. It's creating suspense. It's creating problems for them to, to solve. I'm curious to know what you think of some of the language learning apps that are designed for kids and how effective they are and if they're good tools for kids who are learning languages, especially in, in your younger age group where they might not necessarily always be able to read yet. I am not too familiar with a lot of the language apps for the little guys. I know I, I know parents are like, oh, I have Mandolingo and stuff like that, but I don't think that's too effective. There is one I think that one of my parents told me was like, is it called like Gus or something? Gus language learning? Are you familiar with that? Gus on the go. Gu- it's Gus on the go. Okay, that looks cute. I actually, um, I am not too familiar with a lot of the language apps. I think my my method is really to try to like to engage the parent with the child, and that's by like I'm in the process of trying to create little like scenarios, like buzzwords for when you go to bed, and just making it a natural part of it. So I am not too familiar with it. It's not. I don't think it's. I think it's. I think it'd be cool to explore that, but I don't have any suggestions. Uh, when you had the chance yourself to to get immersed in uh, both Spain and Argentina. What challenges did you face while you were there? Because, uh, you know, people are, are starting to consider themselves maybe in, in maybe next year to have their own uh, travel experiences again uh, as the world opens up. And what would you advise for people um, after they've gone through the Zoom experience of learning a language? And what, what challenges did you face when you tried it? I think the biggest challenge is your own pride, honestly, because... You go in there and, you know, people love to practice English with you and not to be offended by that too. When you're trying, when you're there and you're trying to want to use your Spanish or Italian or whatever and, and they respond to you in English, you know, sometimes what I would do is I would just try to continue in the language that's spoken there. And it, honestly, I really think it's a lot of the pride stuff and not to become discouraged. And again, it goes back to that, like giving yourself that space and grace of like, okay, you're, you're not going to understand everything. And native speakers, you can plan as much as you want. You can have that sentence ready, that question ready, you know, those buzzwords and have them ready. But, you know, just go out there and, and, and really keep it loose, like just stay loose and just relax and stay curious. Right. Try to engage conversations with natives. When I was abroad, I always really hung out with the locals. I tried to stay away from Amer- Americans as much as I could, because I, as much as they're fun, it's just like I don't want to speak English abroad. So I, if I were you. I would get yourself to a nice cafe and like go there almost like as like a regular and just like listen. I don't know. Engage in natural conversation. Bring a book or something. Because you, you don't understand when you're stressed. You're, you like you can't understand what they're saying because you're so nervous about what they're saying. So get those like polite words of like, I'm sorry, could you say that again? Or try to rephrase what they're saying. Learn words that are kind of like fillers. Oh, those fillers are good. Keeps the combo going. What are some of the things that you've been doing to keep your languages up during this period when you haven't been able to travel? Well, I love listening to music. I mean, that's that's like one of my favorite things. 
it's been fun to continue learning, like taking classes with people because even in English, like there's so much English that I don't even know, like so many words and things I don't even know. So it's like, I love to continue learning, you know, doing italki classes or reading a book. The, the apps are fun, but I, I love listening. It's music and, I, and, and podcasts. I have a, like a language podcast on all the time for the most part. I'm in the car. It's awesome. Podcasts are really nice. I'm like very like an audio learner. And as well as that, you have engaged a lot with people on social media. And uh, like you said, you know, the, just the, the other day you uploaded that video where you were like, Flor. And uh, how how interesting has that been to engage with other language learners on Instagram and what kind of lessons have you learned with uh, the language learning community? It has been so nourishing, honestly. Um, so I've been on Instagram for just two years when I opened the business because I was at private schools and public schools. And so when I started my business, I was like, okay, I need to immerse myself in this community. And boy, it's, it's really been a fantastic experience. Honestly. I mean, because when I started my business, it was two years ago, Benny, that the, the Langfest, right? That was like a perfect time for me to immerse myself in people that are like-minded, you know, and um, to make connections with people. And it's been, it's been fantastic to also promote other people. Like if, you know, people will email, like, do you do adult classes? I'm like, no, but check out so-and-so or check out, you know, this program. There's space for everyone, which is so, it just feels so good to know that, like, it's not a competition here, you know. There, there's, there's space for everybody, and you can learn from everybody. And I've had, a, I've had a really positive, positive experience with the community on Instagram. Honestly, it's, it's fun. Instagram, I find, is really fun. There's a lot of fun things you can do with it, and the sharing. My page is really just like trying to show you this is, this is my vibe. This is who I am. This is what I believe. And yeah, I've made a lot of friends. Like I've made a lot of friends there, and it feels expansive. Like having my own business feels really expansive. Like this right now. Like that you're reaching out to me. This is such a beautiful, you know, testimony to that, to this community. Because Betty, I remember looking at your stuff, like, like putting things together, like, oh, okay. Like, well, it's the same dude, you know? And it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's great to learn from people and also share a lot of victories and, and failures. You're like, oh, dang, that happened to me too. Or, wow, that same thing happened to me. Actually, your book, hold on, my ne- I have it over there. It was one of the books I read, like, right as I was beginning to start my business. I was like, oh, so it was just fascinating. I don't know. I just, I love collaborating. I love people. I'm going to return back to helping kids learn languages because as a parent, um, I have a question for you. So I speak Chinese and French with my kids as well as English. But one of the things that I've recently started encountering now that my youngest is five is (laughs) my son will tell me to talk normal. (laughs) When I'm trying to talk to him in, in Mandarin or in French or maybe like sing a song will be in the car and like he does this thing where he likes to take turns singing. And so I'll start to sing in another language and he'll be like, no, sing normal. So I'm curious as to what you do in these situations where the kids just won't play the game with you. I think um, it goes back to that resilience and maybe maybe you just take a little break. You know you're in for the long run. Like, you know, that this is a long-term thing. And I think it's, you know, I think about that with anything. It's like, you got to think of like big picture thing. You're exposing that child to these languages at five years old, Mandarin and French. First of all, that's fantastic. And I salute you for that. That's amazing that you're doing that. 
I mean, that in itself, honestly, I feel like is a huge victory. Yeah, kids rebel. My gosh. You you know as a mother your child the best. So maybe you just hang out for a bit. Respect his wish. And maybe what is he interested in? He's interested in like superheroes and uh, Star Wars. So those two things are big right now. Okay, superheroes and Star Wars. Yeah, so maybe you just do like, you're talking about Star Wars or you're watching Star Wars and again, go back to like sprinkle just a little bit of some Mandarin, not much. And if he says speak normal, then speak normal. And then try it again. And then, you know, come back at another time. Or you're just singing Mandarin to yourself. You're just speaking, Man- you're singing to yourself in Mandarin and he's just observing it. There's so much power in observation. Oh my gosh. Because like oftentimes parents after like lessons, I've been doing in person now, and they're like, okay, you know, I tell them we taught, learned a couple words and they'll be like, how do you say that word? I'm like, no, not, not yet. <laughs> like they're still, they're still observing, they're still like getting it in their brain. And, and I don't want to ask them to produce. I just want them to enjoy the process. And then hopefully things will sink in. I really don't want to force it. So yeah, give your little baby a, a little discount. So give him a little break for a second. So like you said, you've been uh, doing this like as a, as a business for about two years now. And uh, I'm curious to, to hear like, what are your plans for the future? Where do you uh, see your business expanding and what would you like to do differently? I feel fortunate that I know that I want to be with children. I think a brick and mortar space would be pretty cool. My sister is starting, is going to be starting a business mindfulness movement for children. And she and I are like two peas in a pod. Like it would be fantastic to work with her and have the mindfulness movement and have Spanish classes. Like, I think it's nice having, I, I like my model. I like having some virtual. It's nice for parents in person's great. Yeah. Maybe even hire a teacher too. I think that could be cool. I think it'd be kind of cool eventually to kind of be a little more hands off, also still be in it, but to offer, to have more classes, to have more in person. This year, I've been getting a lot of interest for things like on farms. Like there's two farms that want to have classes. And I think getting more in the community, I feel like that this is my focus this year is like getting more in the community and people knowing who I am because I haven't really done much advertising. Um, but big term, I think, I think a brick and mortar would be sweet, Benny. That would be so cool. Get a brick and mortar, get some space outside. I don't know, maybe my husband can build a timber frame house at school. I don't know. But incorporate like-minded teachers. You know, I think that would be sweet. So given that this is the language hacking podcast, one of the questions we always like to ask our guests is what is your definition of language hacking? Learning the essentials, like learn what you need to know. Again, what do I need to know to speak to my cat in Swedish? Do you want fish? I'm not going to spend time worrying about conjugations and all that stuff right now. Get rid of all the fat and go straight to it. Like, just go straight to what you need. Benny, Benny I, I literally use your books, your, your language hacking books, because they're just like those powerful expressions that you use. It's like, why, why take this like super crazy long road when you have like this deep, like just take the shortcut. So uh, yeah, I would say really knowing what you want to learn and focus on that with interest you first. I, I feel like I'm really interest-based. Like I, if I'm not interested in it, it's just not going to stick. So to answer your question, Shannon, like, Language hacking is like, learn the words that you want to talk about. So I have a student that she wants to do the Camino. So like, we're going to talk about those words and those expressions because that's most important to her. I'm not going to spend time dissecting the imperfect right now. I might give her some expressions of the imperfect so she can use them when she's walking on the Camino, but get straight to it, straight path. 
Definitely. That's a great way of, of uh, summing it up, I'd say. And uh, this has been a fascinating discussion. We will make sure that uh, links to the language mindset and all your social media will be in the show notes so people can check you out and um, get some more of your language learning advice. So thank you very much for sharing that with us today. Thank you so much for having us. It's been a pleasure to chat with you guys. Excellent stuff. So until the next time, we'll wish everybody listening very happy language learning. Happy language learning. All right. So at the end of each episode, Benny and I like to share something that we took away from our chat with the guest. And these are things that are usually immediately actionable and that you can implement into your own learning over this next week to see how they work for you and hopefully provide you with ideas for improving your own language learning. So Benny, what was your takeaway from our chat with Juliana? Uh, Something she said early on that I think is very potent when it comes especially to learning children is making the theme around curiosity and mystery. And what she said about like hiding the cat rather than just saying gato is cat and that that's the end of it, is you make a little bit of a story around it and that'll get them engaged. And um, it's it's just so such a powerful thing. It's very simple, but you you ask them, what do you think this is? And I think when we learned languages in school, uh, for some of us at least, we didn't have that. It was just, here is what that translation is. And there's no mystery and there's no curiosity. So if anyone listening is trying to help teach their children, always remember to engage with them in this way. It can be so powerful. What about yourself? I'd have to say it was how she mentioned that it's more important to be resilient than consistent. And I think for me, that's the first time I've heard that. Usually the battle is between being motivated and being consistent because a lot of the time language learners say, oh, I'm not motivated to study. So they don't rather than just like discipline and consistent practice. And so I always emphasize how important it is to be consistent. But what I realize is what I'm really saying is what's important is to be resilient and like kind of have that stick with itness. And so hearing it in those words kind of changed my thoughts a bit on what it means to be a learner who sticks with your language studies or to support someone who's trying to stick with their language studies. So I think that that was really more what I took away from this chat, just that slight reframing of the way that I think about this particular thing. All right. So once again, if you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, please let us know what you think over at languagehacking.com slash review. And as always, the links and resources mentioned in this episode are available to you as a part of the show notes. Until the next time, happy language learning. Happy language learning. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podcast Addict, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you found this episode valuable and want to help us out, please leave a review at languagehacking.com forward slash review. The Language Hacking Podcast is presented by Benny Lewis, Shannon Kennedy, and Elizabeth Bruckner, and produced by Katie Pascoe, with special thanks to the Fluent in Three Months team. Theme music was written and performed by Shannon Kennedy. Find the show notes at languagehacking.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening and happy language learning.